Hi, everyone. I'm John Byrne with Poets and Quants. Welcome to another edition of Business Casual, our weekly podcast, with my co-host Caroline Diorti Edwards and Maria Wickvilla. Caroline, of course, is a co-founder of Fortuna Admissions and a former director of admissions at NCOD. And Maria is the founder of Applicant Lab, a great service for people who want to kind of do it yourself, but with a little help on the side in applying to a business school. We're going to talk about the recent comments made by Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, and one of the modern age's preeminent entrepreneurs who recently trashed the MBA degree yet again. In this case, he was at a online summit sponsored by the Wall Street Journal, where he basically said, I think there might be too many MBAs running companies. There's the MBAization of America, which I think is maybe not that great. There should be more focus on the product or service itself, less time on board meetings, less time on financials. You'll recall that in the previous interview a number of years ago, Elon said, I hire people in spite of an MBA, not because of one. And we bring this up because every now and then, it's inevitable that we get some level of MBA bashing, often from very prominent, very successful people who are highly admired. In fact, a few years earlier, it was Sheryl Sandberg, who has a Harvard MBA. Maria, she went to your school, and she said MBAs are not necessary at Facebook, and I don't believe they are important for working in the tech industry. Why do people continually undermine the degree and its value? Maria, what do you think? Well, I think that one of the biggest reasons is that I feel like some bad apples ruin it for everyone, right? So just like there are good doctors, mediocre doctors, and bad doctors, and good lawyers, and mediocre lawyers, and bad lawyers, I think there are good MBAs, mediocre MBAs, and bad People, you know, people who have MBAs who may not be all that great. And so I feel like sometimes those, you know, those people go out into the world and when others witness how they behave, they say, well, maybe this MBA is not is not all that great. And I do think that perhaps the MBA degree, I don't know, maybe more than perhaps some other graduate degrees, some of the people who graduate are in fact you know, pretty high on themselves. And so they give a bad name to the rest of us. I remember when I first graduated, I was working at a, like a mobile startup and the following year they hired some MBAs and it was, you know, it was a startup. So it was the sort of thing where like, oh, we're doing a new software build. And so we're going to public, we're going to push it tonight at midnight and everyone needs to stay and do QA, like quality assurance on the phones to make sure that, you know, we had like 80 handsets and we had to test it on every handset and we would be there until three in the morning testing it. And it was all hands on deck. And then the following year they hired some more MBAs who like literally one of them was like, I went to Harvard Business School. I'm not staying until three in the morning to test software. <laughs> right? And so those people, like I also went to Harvard Business School, but you better believe I was there on Saturday nights, you know, but these other, you know, these bad apples ruin it for everyone. And so, which is part of the reason why, you know, we spend so much time talking about the admissions process and admissions, there is so much effort that goes into admissions. I think in part, admissions officers are trying to prevent these sorts of people from getting in because they then go out and they ruin it for the rest of us. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, we've said on a previous podcast, I think more than one time, that someone who comes in with a holier-than-thou attitude, or if that is even detected in an essay, in an interview, anywhere in the application, you are spiked. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally right spiked. Right so. Yeah. yeah. Caroline, you've, you've heard these arguments every now and then. What do you make of them? Yeah, I mean, it does pop up every so often. And I think it's also something that the media like to jump on because, you know, it totally. makes a good story. It tracks eyeballs. And so it's sort of a perennial topic that comes up every now and again. And when somebody who has a lot of visibility, like Elon Musk mentions it, then then people sort of, you know, jump on that and make a big deal out of it. So, and, and you know, he's someone who just, you know, he he... He says some pretty random things sometimes. It's not the first time he's made some strange statements. So that's very true. So I, I don't know how much you know credence we should really give to it. Um, <laughs> but but I I do think that you know some you don't have to have an MBA to be successful in business, right? It's not like a prerequisite, but it gives you a fantastic fantastic foundation. It is a great education that you can draw on for the rest of your life. But it doesn't mean that if you don't have an MBA, you cannot succeed in business. So I think that, you know, the criticism is a, is a little bit unfair sometimes because I don't think business schools are claiming that, you know, they are the gateway to a successful career. And that's the only way that you can be successful in, in a business career. Uh, True. And, you know, uh, 40 years ago, believe it or not, 40 years ago, I think, you know, one of the first attacks on MBA education came out. It was a seminal article in the Harvard Business Review. And it was written, oddly, by two Harvard Business School professors, Bob Hayes and Bill Abernathy. It was called Managing Our Way to Economic Decline. And if you remember in the 1980s, what was going on with American industries, we were really losing our competitiveness largely to Japan and Germany. There was a lot of concern about whether we lost our mojo and whether we could get it back. And Hayes and Abernathy in that essay basically blamed analytical detachment rather than insight that came from hands-on experience and short-term thinking that related to short-term cost reduction and a theory to invest in the future as the key reasons for the decline in American competitiveness. And a lot of that was laid at the feet of business education because in the 1980s, really kind of the peak in the heyday of the MBA when, you know, you, you got an MBA and the rewards were amazing. I mean, the ROI on the MBA today is still incredible. It is a no-brainer investment. But back in the 1980s, my God, you know, on your investment, you would get it back within a year instead of three and a half to four years uh, like it is today. But uh, people thought, you know, MBAs who got into these jobs were more analytical in a way that separated them from the product and the workers and the services that companies provided, and that focus on nothing more than the numbers and the short-term numbers at that helped to contribute to this changed focus. I think even then the blame was mislaid. You could lay it really at the feet of investors who were hungry for quick returns and what was going on in the uh, stock market, which is true today. You know, in general, stocks are held for fractions of minutes because largely it's a gambling and trading game of arbitrage where there are a few long-term investors and the shareholdings of every company is churning like crazy. It has nothing to do with MBAs. It has to do with, with the greed of the market and the need for people to to immediately reward anything that goes up where they can get a profit out of it. 
And then we, then you saw the blame on business schools for teaching shareholder model of management, where really the only people who counted were shareholders and investors, which diminished the role of your customers, your employees, your communities, your obligation to society. And I think a lot of business schools would actually raise their hand and say, yeah, you know, we taught that in a bunch of classes back in the 80s and the 90s. And that was a mistake. And we've really changed our thinking about that. And today, MBA curriculum is imbued with this notion that, you know, there needs to be a positive good that a, a corporation provides in society. It's even something that was recently acknowledged a year ago by the Business Roundtable. Do you, too, think and see that that change has occurred and is a meaningful change in the way business is taught in business schools? Yes, <laughs> I think so. So I, I actually enrolled in business school soon after the collapse of Enron, which for people who are listening right now who may be applying right now, they might, you know, they were probably toddlers perhaps when Enron happened. But Enron was a huge, you know, corporate fraud scandal. And there were some HBS people involved in it. And it was a Indeed. huge embarrassment for the school, right? Because people were pointing their fingers at like, oh, look at what Harvard teaches people to be criminals. And and so it was funny because the year that I started was the first year that Harvard actually had a mandatory, or I mean, maybe they had done it in the past, but at least it was the first time in recent history where Harvard actually had a mandatory ethics class. It wasn't called ethics. It was called leadership and corporate accountability. But I'm pretty sure that they started that class like <laughs> as soon as Enron <laughs> like hit the papers, because I think they were like, oh my gosh, we need to we need something to show that, first of all, we're trying to do something about the problem. And second of all, hopefully we will do something to try to prevent graduating these people. So I, I think that, first of all, the public outcry against corporate scandals is one thing. And I also think that it's, not to be cynical, but I think part of it is also because consumers are increasingly, thankfully, demanding things like sustainable, you know, I, I want to know if my if my T-shirt is sustainable. I want to know if it's it was if it was made by child labor or if it was made by someone making a fair wage. And so I do think that schools are starting to teach things like that. But I I would think that if the consumer were not at the heart of driving some of these changes, I wonder if there would be so much of a rush to embrace it. And I also think the students themselves are asking for this thing, right? I think there have been all these studies that the millennial generation is more interested in having a career with purpose. And so if you know if you show up to a business school and that's what you want, the school at some point needs to start to cater to you. But sure. I've definitely seen it. Yeah. And, and I think the point about the millennials is right. I mean, there's no doubt that younger people today are more concerned about the future, about climate change, about the role of business in society, about the greater responsibility that business leaders have toward their employees, their customers, to the, to the greater good of the, of the world. That's been a real sea change, I'd say, in the last 10, 20 years. And I'm sure, Caroline, you've seen yeah, that in the Yeah, that's applicants. huge. Yeah, definitely. And I was just thinking, I, I guess I've been reading applications now for, for 15 years. And it, it's, it's, a, it's probably the biggest trend that I've seen in how people talk about themselves and their goals is that 15 years ago, it wasn't that common that, that candidates would talk about wanting to have a really positive impact on, you know, on society, on the world, the environment, etc. And that is perhaps the most common theme now that comes through in applications, right? Most candidates are talking about that. 
And so schools have responded, right? Students are looking to learn more about this and schools. So so it may well be student driven as much as anything, but the schools have have stepped up to the plate and are providing a a lot of different courses and and electives, particularly to, to address those interests. And it's become part of the screen. I would gather that many admissions officers are looking for people who want to dedicate themselves to making things better, to leading positive changes uh, and not merely making money. Let's face it. The first thing you can do as an applicant to get rejected is, I want the MBA so I can be rich. Is that right? (laughs) 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 I want to make more money. That's why I want this degree. I have no other goal other than to line my pockets with cash. (laughs) Nice. You're in. (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. Like what (laughs) business school in the world would accept an applicant who makes that statement? No, they, they wouldn't. But it's also I think it's also because the schools are again, they don't they at the minimum, they don't want to be embarrassed. Right. They yes. don't want, you know, there was there was someone that was in our social circle, a tangential part of our social circle, who unfortunately went to jail for securities fraud, you know, a couple of years, several years ago. And it was all every single newspaper article about him pointed out like so and so a Harvard Business School graduate <laughs> was indicted on Thursday for securities fraud. And so that, you know, I think the schools, I don't think the schools necessarily are like, okay, every single person that we admit has to save the orphaned whales. But I, I do think that they at least at a minimum are trying to find people with some sort of ethical compass. And also they teach us like in this, in this ethics class that they started, it wasn't just like, you need to be a good person. It was literally things like, here's what's illegal. <laughs> so if you want to stay out of jail, don't do the, this insider trading thing. Don't do it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's a part is just, you know, trying to, to avoid embarrassment. And then, you know, you, when you tease out the criticism uh, that's often made of MBA education, it seems dated. It seems totally off the mark. Okay, let's just take Elon Musk. So he is saying that there needs to be more focus on product or service, less time on board meetings, and less time on financials. Well, let's face it. Look, what do MBAs have to do <laughs> with uh, convening board meetings? Really? It's not something they teach a business school. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. Long meetings are good. No, <laughs> it, 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 meetings. <laughs> And in fact, I'd say there's less attention paid to corporate governance than probably should be paid in business schools, to be honest. Never mind time in a meeting. But then, and then less time on financials. Well, look, if you look at the entire MBA curriculum in a traditional program, you know, you'll have a couple of courses on finance. And finance, after all, is the language of business. But the vast majority of your coursework will not be on finance. And all the experiential learning that you will do, the hands-on learning, has little to nothing to do with finance. So a lot of these criticisms really are not based on any real facts. Uh, it's, it's based on this perception that you go to business school to learn how to manipulate markets, how to look at numbers that allow you not to know anything about your market, your product, your services, or your customers. It's false. It's totally false. I mean, mm-hmm. even when you two got your MBAs and got business education, which was you know, a slightly different era, uh, <laughs> not, not all that too far in the past, but still. Back, at, back in the 19th century. Yeah, there's been, there's been uh, massive overhauls of MBA curricula. But even then, there wasn't an overemphasis on financials. I'm sure that neither of you were told 
that the reason for your existence in the business world would be to run numbers and run numbers alone and in the absence of any consideration of customers or markets or people? No, I do think though that, you know, that the discussion has changed. I mean, I can remember when I first started working at INSEAD, you know, there was, there was a sort of philosophical discussion in the faculty with the finance professors saying, and it was, this came up because INSEAD developed this tagline, a business school for the world, right? I think that came out about 15 years ago or so. And there had been some attempts to make the, the tagline a business school for a better world. And finance professors sort of fought against it because they felt that that's not the job of business to make what the world better, right? The, the job of business is to make money. So they were very focused on the bottom line, the financials, right? I mean, that's, that was also their background. But, you know, I think they, they have lost that debate and, and the discussion has moved on. And now, you know, INSEAD has front, front and center, the Global Institute for Business and Society, which is, you know, a huge investment and funded by the biggest donation the school has ever received and, and is all about, you know, positive social and environmental impact. So that is sort of fundamental to the identity of the school now. So it is interesting how the debate has moved on in schools over the past sort of 10, 15 years. And That's now really, have, really true. And how they've embraced that sort of, you know, triple bottom line, whereas that wasn't so much the case 15 years ago. True. And on the same day that Elon Musk was making his comments uh, at the Wall Street Journal Summit, you had Stanford Graduate School of Business releasing its second annual report on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is a core priority of the dean at Stanford School and has become a very big and important issue on business school campuses all over the world. You know, I think what an MBA really does instead of fills you with propaganda to manipulate numbers and make money is what it does is teach you to think. It teaches you to think in ways that lead to more thoughtful decision-making. It teaches you to help you make the right decision when you don't have all the information. And it gives you a broader appreciation for all the different disciplines that need to come together to get business to work. I mean, don't the two of you see that in really the, the true value of an MBA education? Absolutely. Yeah, and that's, and that's what sets the MBA education apart from, say, a master's in finance or a master's in HR. Right. Right. It is that holistic view of how all the different pieces play together and that you have to think about all of them. You Otherwise, you'll, you'll tilt the ship, right? If you only think about finance and you don't think about marketing at all, well, guess what? You're not, no one's going to hear about your product. But if you only think about marketing and you don't think about finance, you're going to sp spend all of your money on some snazzy launch event. And then after that, you're going to go bankrupt, right? So there does need to be a balance in all of these different facets, the core facets of a business. And I think that's what the MBA teaches. Totally. I'm going to quote Rich Lyons, one of my favorite deans. Mm -hmm. He was a former dean of UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, really thoughtful and great guy, who said in response to the Elon Musk comment, do we really think that investor focus on financials is an MBA education problem? Do firms with fewer MBAs on their boards and senior teams have shorter meetings? I'm skeptical. Might Musk's rightful emphasis on product be more a function of the science-driven industry he's in as opposed to valid generalization? I think Rich is onto something there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. 
All right. To all you NBA naysayers, sure, you're going to get a headline. You're going to get clicks on the web. People who are envious of those who made the investment in education may question and reinforce this notion that the NBA isn't as valuable as it is. Let me tell you, they're dead wrong. All right. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, Caroline. This is John Byrne with Poets and Quants. You've been listening to Business Casual.